Hello and welcome to Sartorial Stories, LCF's object-based podcast in which I, Susanna Cordner, invite in a guest who works in or with fashion and ask them to bring in an item from their work or from their wardrobe. That item then forms the basis of a part of the conversation. Today I'm joined by Henny Kim, founder of women's wear brand Kitri. Thank you so much for joining me, Henny. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Our conversation will have kind of loosely three sections. We'll talk about Henny's practice and Kitri um, and then we'll talk about the object that you've kindly brought with you you and then we'll focus on your own relationship to clothing. So as I said in that brief introduction I find a useful place to start is exploring the kind of practice or profession of my guests. So how you how you work with fashion. So could you please outline your job? So I am founder and creative director of Kitri which is a women's wear brand based in London. Um, we are online women's wear brands we launched in 2017 and we try to kind of bridge the gap between um, high street and designer. So we go directly to our consumer, which means that we can bring the best quality original designs at affordable prices. And that's something really um, cultivated kind of approach. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. First of all, I know that our listeners are always interested in the kind of details or minutiae of people's roles. So could you please outline what your role entails? That sounds quite all encompassing. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, we are still in our kind of startup phase. So I say founder and creative director, and that sounds very grand. But in reality, it's, you know, we always joke that, that, that I'm a dog's body. We do pretty much everything from, I don't know, cleaning to to bringing an inventory, to counting inventory, to QC, to everything. And, but, you know, primarily my function is to lead our team and bring the vision to life. Um, I work with really talented small group of creatives based in London, um, well, currently on lockdown. And um, we work very kind of, you know, all together harmoniously to make sure that we bring the collection to life each um, each month, really. So mm-hmm. that my day is super varied. Um, and that's what I love about my job. So it can vary from having to go into a business meeting, talking about numbers and margins and all of those exciting things um, for, for those people who love you know um, data and and um, numbers in general Um, Mm -hmm. and it can go from that to a design meeting with our very talented designers um, talking about the next season's colors fabrics palettes silhouettes you know all those exciting things that I love to production uh, talking to suppliers talking to mills um, and also a very important part customer service and marketing so because we are an e-com business primarily our our website is our you know shop for all intents and purposes Mm. so we work very closely with our e-com and marketing team to make sure that all of our um, products are photographed and uploaded and described well and also look after our customers with any of their questions that they may have so I kind of you know I I like to say that it's more of a conducting role once you get to a certain Mm. size I think so you're trying to kind of bring in different sections in at the right time and make sure that they're all working together and they're listening to each other and trying to make sure that um, everything comes together to make a beautiful song. That's amazing. It's like, like an entrepreneurial orchestra. I think that's exactly. such a brilliant way of putting yeah. it. And I think that's also really useful to hear because I think quite often, and I mean this is no detriment, but fashion press can portray a designer or a creative director in isolation. Whereas yeah. I think what you've just described is the importance of coordinating and acting within a team and also having oversight over the whole full, the kind of full fashion cycle by the sounds of it. Absolutely. I mean, the the reason why we love what we do is that fashion encompasses so much more than just design and pretty clothes. Um, mm. I think as a as a fashion entrepreneur, you really do need to 
wear lots of different hats throughout the day. And the pressure of that is is immense because, you know, you have these ambitious, talented group of people and you're all kind of running towards the same goal of making a successful brand. However, you know, it, it can't happen in isolation. So, you know, you have to make sure that you have a leader who is, you know, understanding of difficulties in different different departments and try to bring that all together to kind of make it all work together. And as a small business in particular, is very much about multitasking and about making difficult choices and um, trying to compromise to make sure that you can do the best you can and execute with excellence. But, you know, it's not, I wish it was as simple as kind of, you know, sitting back and, and dreaming up beautiful collections um, <laughs> all the time. But I think it's, it's a lot more to do with how the business is run on a day-to-day basis, to be honest with you. It is a business at the heart of it. And it is very much an important sector in the in the economy and that can't be just run by you know having just beautiful clothes so it is definitely more of a business focus than than people might assume absolutely that that, that artistry has to be paired with kind of commercial sense and, and management throughout you spoke there about different hats throughout the day I wonder if you have a favorite hat effectively a particular part of those different portions of your role that you, that you uh, particularly thrive at or enjoy yeah I mean I think I actually honestly enjoy most parts, maybe not so much on the accounting side. I enjoy learning about it. I think you have to be really curious. And if it is your business, um, I've been given a lot of advice that you need to know enough to be dangerous in a lot of different kind of parts of the business. Mm. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you need to know what's happening. Um, otherwise, it could be kind of, it could be going wrong right under your nose. So it's really mm. important that you have you have curiosity to learn as much as possible know enough to be dangerous I guess and um and and enjoy that part I think my favorite I mean obviously I started the business because I love fashion and I think Mm. um without that love none of this is kind of interesting to me I guess you know I would be looking at P&Ls for the sake of it (laughs) it's not your hobby outside of work (laughs) however I think when it becomes like your your business that affects every part of the business I think you know you are more willing to sit down and actually you know what does this number mean and how can we make that better and how does this affect different parts of the business so I think it's all very very much interlinked for me if I am really honest you know things like HR contracts <laughs> all of those things are also not my forte but we do have great people in the business who can help with that so yeah yeah absolutely and then that that draws back to your point about being the conductor because yeah. what you seem to be kind of sharing there is that you're also a good team builder and maybe it's recognizing you know you just candidly recognize what your strengths are and perhaps are not or where your you know where your passions lie and it's about building a team that can answer all those different functions and needs because impressively or admirably there are people out there for whom administration and contracts are their passion so good for that so within that we kind of went behind the scenes on how your brand actually operates and how and what your role entails how would you describe Kitri as a brand in its own right and how did it come to be yeah I mean it's it's quite a, a a difficult thing to describe really because it's not really a traditional fashion model that we started um so my background is both in um, high-end fashion and also in value-driven high street fashion so i try to learn as much as possible on how different um, business models within fashion industry operates and i guess i've been kind of collecting different um, knowledge and information about different sides of that that industry and try to kind of make sense of it in my own mind and how that can be relevant to uh, myself and, and my peers. So when I was working 
in those different types of industries, I just kind of realized that there was a gap between something that was kind of mass produced in kind of huge quantities at very um, incredibly kind of low and value driven prices, but and also on the opposite side of the scale, something that is super exclusive, eye wateringly expensive, <laughs> and something that is, you know, basically pieces of art really from that end of the spectrum I didn't really relate to that on a day-to-day basis because as much as I'd love to be able to afford those types of um, fashion items and and wonderful beautiful fashion kind of designs I didn't have the means but also I didn't have anywhere to wear those wonderful designs and uh, my friends felt the same and we all worked in the industry you know straight out of university and we were just trying lots of different things and you know some of us have kept with high-end some of us have moved on to different things and but you know what was clear to me is that none of us really knew where to shop anymore as we were growing out of our 20s you know we didn't really quite feel like high street really represented our aesthetic something more original and and not um something that you will see hundreds of other people wearing um at mm. the street um but also we just couldn't really afford the next level up which would be kind of designers even at contemporary level paying you know 400 pounds for a dress just wasn't really in the cards for us that we can do regularly so I started asking around my friends, you know, where where would you go shopping? And none of them re- could really give me an answer. So um, mm. I thought, you know what, this is a really good opportunity for, for me to kind of combine my experiences and two opposite ends of the spectrum and try to find a middle ground where we can provide original design, limited quantities and direct to consumer, which will give them affordability. So that's kind of where, where, where we pitched it. And Kitri you know, started online with a bang in 2017. We produce monthly collections and weekly drops. So it is very kind of relevant to our customers and try not to kind of think too far ahead in terms of, you know, in the middle of the summer, what do you want to wear in the winter? I think that's a really difficult thing. And hence, you know, in certain cases, there's a lot of um, overstock and inventory issues and um, waste ultimately. Mm. So we try to kind of, you know, solve those problems in the best way that we can and bring seasonally appropriate clothes to our customers who are able to kind of buy and enjoy it, but wear it for years to come, hopefully, and manage our inventory level that way as well. So, yeah, there's lots of different kind of things that is not quite natural to a traditional model of fashion, which obviously is kind of a year or two years in some cases ahead of ahead of time and and try to almost kind of predict the trend with a crystal ball <laughs> and also trying to kind of build in margins so that you know mass production is possible so yeah I mean there are a lot of things that when our team first joined us that we had to kind of figure out what what, what we can do our way mm-hmm. and yeah it's been kind of growing growing from, based on that really. I really like the idea that it's a kind of ongoing experiment and a definition of how to do it our way, as you say. And I really also you described their kind of pairing detailed market and kind of business research of what's what was readily available in these different price points with something quite kind of community led or anecdotal amongst your friends and, and peers and generation, which sounds like a really clever pairing. I think ordinarily I've heard lots of descriptions of either something being purely commerce driven essentially Mm. and almost a science to it or it being an individual's expression point yeah it's a really nice merging between the two I think that's so interesting to hear the kind of business perspective on your model of of monthly drops and that kind of yeah almost more reactive span because I thought of that in terms of conversational community with your customer um to be honest I hadn't really thought about it in terms of that 
kind of avoiding stock issues and, and, and pile up or, or waste. So that's, again, a really nice pairing. I mean, I think it's important to listen to the customer. Um, we're not, you know, kind of reinventing a silhouette or uh, those things obviously are, are done beautifully by some of the top designers in the, in, in the in the industry and they set the pace and change how we kind of look at fashion but what we try to do at Kitri is kind of um, on a more uh, commercial level I guess and um, that can be quite a dirty word in in, in the creative industry but <laughs> um, what we find is that you know the more we talk to our customers the more we learn and you can you can avoid kind of going down the wrong path if we listen and that part has always been the kind of driving force behind what we do and um, I think we all you know none of us are really hundred percent correct all the time and what I might think oh this, I love this and I think this is going to be really successful more often than not I mean uh, you can you can be wrong on that I think customers really kind of tell you when they love something and mm. um, it's really difficult to kind of get that right hundred percent of the time so in order to kind of run that engine I think including your community and the voices of your customers is incredibly important that's fascinating. I like the idea of listening as well. And when you when you say listen, and what you just said about your customers tell you, you know, there's a real emphasis on on conversation there. Do you mean in terms of sales or um, engagement online, or is that more in customer feedback and reaction, say on social media? It's a bit of everything, really. We we look at it across all channels that we have available to our customers. Obviously, the the the, the most kind of um, immediate reaction to good style or a product that people love is sales. Um, mm. We track that incredibly closely with our team. And I guess for us, for a digital brand, for a direct-to-consumer digital brand, it is pretty much immediate. So when we drop our new collection or um, our new styles, on a, um, we regularly drop on a Sunday currently. It's a little different with the lockdown situation, to be honest with you. But under sure. normal circumstances <laughs> we drop on a Sunday morning and we know by the end of that day which stars are going to be successful and that mm. is very different kind of a, um, a timeline to say for example working with wholesale partners who are you know obviously incredibly inc- uh, in, important within the industry still and I believe will continue to do so but when you kind of work with a department store or a boutique or they have to have a longer lead time in terms of how they um, track success of a style. So the decisions that you can make based on that, whether you get feedback directly from them or or, um, from just the sales figures alone, it is a little bit more, um, uh, it's a a slower process and also not as visceral. Whereas for us, we're just glued to our screens on a Sunday. Like, oh, okay, she's going there and she's buying that. But for some reason, everybody's adding it, adding it to their basket, but they're not actually buying. What does that mean? Is it the price issue? Is it, are we not describing it right? Is the photo not good enough? But also, you know, we can see what sizes are selling best and what else she's adding into a basket. So all of these kind of information that you can track from an online business is, you know, vast. And I guess the data points that we pick are the ones that we that that we believe to be important to our business. All those things are not the same. It's not equal to every business, but it's incredible with modern technology what you can track and you know what you can learn from that. Besides mm. from yeah, I mean besides from our own website and tracking sales and, and customer behavior that way, we do have very active um, customer service team who you know, have regular customers who give them feedback all the time, which is lovely. Some of them actually just call up for a chat, which is nice. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. But also, yeah, but also we do regular Q&As and, 
And when customers ask us questions about a particular product from the website that, you know, maybe wasn't clear enough or they have questions about fits, all of these things are logged and, and we review that regularly to make sure that, you know, we can communicate that better to our customers and um, any of the complaints that she may have or reviews, we have active review sites that, that are listened to. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And social media, obviously, is the most kind of loud <laughs> review that is available to all but you know most of the times it's more like oh we like this we like that when is this available is this shipping to somewhere so those those kind of um reactions tends to be a little bit more kind of operations focused but yeah we do try to combine all channels and that gives us a bit of a bit um better picture in terms of what works and what doesn't the idea of it being a real dialogue but also it was just really interesting hearing you speak there because there was such you seem so sort of invigorated on the topic um, and excited by that immediacy and um, I think it's fascinating how that's been built into your brand I think from there and that kind of design paired with dialogue with customer paired with business need perspective just described might be an interesting point to move on to your object choice please yeah with that in mind, could you introduce your object to us? The, the one slight downside of doing this as a podcast is that the <laughs> listener can't see. <laughs> um, so if you could say what it is and describe it, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I guess the pressure is on to describe it um, well. Yeah. So the object that I have selected today is one of our um, dresses called Gabriella Pleated Shirt Dress. It's a... Um, it's a chiffon dress with lining underneath uh, with a cami um, dress underneath and it's printed um, with green carnation print um, all over so it's an all over print um, it has a um, classic collar it has a classic shirt um, sleeves um, quite a easy fit body with dropped waist um, pleats going down from um, just under your hip down to the floor so it's a midi length dress with a um, belt basically print yeah. Is, yeah the print is carnation print um with white flowers with uh black details i think the reason why i chose this particular dress is because it holds a very close place in my heart um this was our very kind of first success in terms of a, a silhouette and a, and a style um it came out in 2018 um spring and I mean, it, it was kind of like a dream come true moment. Um, we had been running for about a year prior to this style launching. And um, when we when we um, shot this style in the photography studio, we absolutely loved the image. And the image mm. was, you know, what we, what we thought was going to really drive the sales. And we just p- posted it up online. We just thought, you know, it'd be really good to kind of show people what's coming up. And we just basically said spring collection coming and, you know, let's get excited. At the same time, we kind of um, worked with influencers and and placed it on um, a very popular influencer based in New York, actually, um, called Fashion Guitar. And she wore it to... Uh, to to somewhere in New York Fashion Week um, and she was photographed in, on the streets in New York and she paired it with this kind of really um, big oversized pale blue um, puffer and at the time you know this big kind of white big trainers from I think they were from Balenciaga and she and it was kind of a beautiful image that was quite, kind of cool but also showed that style can be super versatile mm-hmm. um, and yeah and then it kind of started going viral and at that point we didn't really know what how you know a dress could go viral for us I, mm-hmm. I you know, we, we hadn't really thought about it and we didn't really design it to to be that way but before we even releasing it 
we had a lot of requests for the style when it's going to be coming out and how much is, is it going to be. So we decided to actually put it on waiting list um, because the product wasn't ready yet. And we, we mm. received it into the warehouse, so we had no idea. So we put it up on the waiting list and it, 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 it generated the first time over 800 people on the waiting list. And, you know, the press started, uh, started picking up on it and they were all talking about this dress and yeah, it just grew and grew and grew. And, um, it was an incredibly exciting moment. Um, and when we dropped the, the style online, it sold out within an hour. Um, it, wow. was, it was like the most fun we've had with the product. And it, it just started selling really quickly. And we really strongly believe in limited quantity production. Our, you know, one of the pillars of the brand is that we don't want to create styles that you can see on hundreds of other women. And, um, and that's kind of idea of, of exclusivity in terms of, you know, what you can buy is, is really important to us. But we had to make a really difficult decision because people started getting really emotional about the dress. And they were like, <laughs> when can we buy the dress? Are you going to be restocking? I waited for the launch, but it's already sold out. What are you going to do? Oh. And um, we actually made a decision to, to, to um, replenish the style and to produce more. And we started up the waiting list again. And second time around, it, it, it received more than a thousand people on the waiting list. Wow. And when we replenished that stock, we sold out within 45 minutes. <laughs> so we How satisfying. It was satisfying. And then, you know, it's just amazing. Not just the kind of money side of things, obviously that, you know, that is important for any business. But it was just the most amazing moment to feel with the team that something that we were doing was resonating with our customers and um, that kind of put us on the map. And it was the most fun we've had. When we replenished it, we kind of put the software on loud. So you kind of hear a ding. <laughs> you, you hear a ding every time a sale happens. So it was like, it was, it was like Vegas. Brilliant. But, I love yeah. the idea of your team gathering around the dings. Yeah. I mean, it was so, I mean, so, so it's such a great success for the team. And, you know, it's not just the design. It's not just the production. It's not just the fit. It's not just the marketing. You know, all of our team had come together to make the success happen. And, you know, fashion business is incredibly difficult. It's notorious difficult to get off the ground and and even more difficult to keep it going and we've worked so hard up until that point day and night to you know build this business and to have that kind of moment however brief I think you need to really celebrate that with your team and um yeah so we we pledged it for the third time and then we kind of called it a day after that and it has come back mm -hmm. in different um different colors and prints and things like that but this dress will forever be the, the the dress that made us. So I'm incredibly kind of attached to this particular dress. And I still wear it. I bring it out. I, I actually mm -hmm. don't even have the production. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the item um, that is that was in production. I um, I stole the sample. It was the only one that was left. Um, so, yeah, I, I kept that one. It was kind of my memento. And I bring it out every spring um, and take it out for a spin. And I love the fact that I can still do that. And it's one of our big kind of design ethos to make desirable styles, but also looking at the silhouettes and colors and prints that, you know, that we hope that would bring joy to our customers for, for many, many years to come. And, you know, since its release, you know, I've seen people wear it, you know, multiple occasion and dressing it up or down or bring it out every year. Um, and that, that, that means a lot to us and, and our team that, you know, our customers can do that. 
definitely the idea of continued wear and the kind of versatility yeah. of the designs and you spoke about that in relation to fashion guitar in particular but yeah thank you I think that that's such a strong choice because I had this clear connection to your business model and but also provided a kind of blueprint for the conversation that you've had with your customer about their um, kind of anticipation and emotional connection they feel to your designs but also again you ended up speaking about that clear um, relationship you have with your team and how it is a team effort and and that that's a shared success. I also really like the idea that this is an item that is part of your kind of professional and business story, um, but it's also a part of your own wardrobe and something that you enjoy wearing, but also hopefully your own future archive. I would be interested to know if you do personally collect anything. Are there other things in your wardrobe that you keep for the memories associated or perhaps it's something completely separate like ceramics or art? Yeah, um, I've collected lots of different things over the years. I think, you know, it kind of starts with, you know, really geeky things like stamps and coins when you're young, isn't it? I I don't necessarily kind of covet things in a way enough to actually really collect it properly. Um, However, I do love kind of collecting items that have very sentimental values to me and keep them kind of in my wardrobe and in my drawers forever. So close to me, uh, jewellery in particular is very, very sentimental to me. And I don't really tend to wear that many kind of continued wear out of jewellery unless it's... um, something that's been given to me by family members or my husband Mm. or friends Um, those are the ones that I really kind of cherish however clothes wise I think there are there you know I I love a good jacket and I love a good midi dress so anything Mm. that has um, those kind of um, elements I always uh, are drawn towards blazers in particular I've kind of collected different types all over you know all Mm. over the world and tailoring I think is something incredibly difficult and there's such art that and there is some very timeless quality to a really well-cut tailoring that 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 I love that kind of artistry and also um just the general sense that that that, you know there's real mastery behind pattern cutting and um Mm. and I think it really you can really tell a good piece of tailoring immediately so yeah I mean tailoring jackets um blazers in particular I mean they're the ones that I've really kind of kept over the years and I have all sorts of colors and all sorts of fabric and every time that I try something on and I love I just have to have it so that's one of the only <laughs> things that 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 because I find it very rare that you can find a jacket that really works for you and your body shape so anytime that I actually find something I I love and fits me well I I, I tend to buy and collect and keep forever um, and they come back round in style round in style as well which I love so if you have a you know quite a nice fitted um, double-breasted um, jacket um, blazer then you know you might not wear it right now because obviously oversized and all of those things are a little bit more in fashion right now but it will come around again and it has happened multiple times um even in my kind of professional life so that's something that I really kind of cherish and we try to do yeah we try to do blazers with kitchen but it's a slightly different type of a, of tailoring and I think we pepper in um our fashion color choices and and well-cut tailoring based on my huge collection <laughs> but yeah I think a really classic well-tailored suit or a blazer is something that that, that I will always collect Brilliant. I'm picturing you with a library of blazers. That's a piece of appreciation for the art of tailoring. And again, again, really rings through the idea of longevity and the cycles of fashion and that your wardrobe will be waiting for you for whatever um, comes and that you should appreciate your clothing long term. How do you think your work influences the way that you dress and your relationship to clothing? Or is it a bit chicken and egg in a way? In your case, perhaps it's the appreciation of clothing that's led you to your particular career. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it it kind of all starts from just having an appreciation for certain kind of aesthetic and beauty, I guess. I think everything that we do, um, you have to love, really. Um, there's a saying that, you know, have nothing in your house that you don't believe to be useful or beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that, 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 that really resonates with me, although my house at the moment is a mess. However, I think, you know, definitely working in fashion, it does, uh, you, you do tend to have a bit, bit of a love-hate relationship. I don't know whether any of your other guests kind of feel the same way, but mm-hmm. um, you're looking at um, clothes all day and you're looking at fabric all day, you're looking at colours, prints and um you know different design ideas and silhouettes and sometimes the last thing you want to do is look at another piece of clothing you know so Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that you know if you have to take take it kind of as it comes inspiration and and your love but I think my love for for clothes has always come from um loving self-expression really I think Mm. I came over to England when I was really young um without much English to be honest with you um I'm I'm born in South Korea my my parents um still live in South Korea my sister still live in South Korea came over to England when I was 12 to be a ballerina believe it or not and at the time you know the fashion is so different from Korea I came from a very rural area in Korea and when I came to England and started going to school here I mean fashion was something that really kind of Made, made me stand out like a sore thumb. But the culture is different, and I think it's it's definitely something that you really kind of identify. It's an it's an identifier, and um, I've always been very conscious of what other people are wearing and what I should be wearing in the beginning, and and all of that as a, as a young um, as a young kind of fashion lover. But as you grow, you kind of start stepping out of your zone a little bit and kind of trying to see, you know what, this is what everybody else is wearing. What what do I want to wear? And how do I stand out? Or how do I express myself? And, you know, when I first started working, it was a very much, you know, the, the Parisian Vogue look mm-hmm. Vogue, and that is all I ever wanted to be so you know nice cut jeans great blazer maybe that's where my blazer love came from we found the route <laughs> and um, a, a lovely silk shirt and and uh, pointed kind of heels they th- that was the rigueur back then but that kind of show made me feel professional and kind of you know trying to assert myself in a workplace I think again that's a, that's a form of self-expression and you know as I as I grew into to to my role and working in different countries I worked in Hong Kong for five years you know color and print and and shapes and how you actually want to move in your clothes become really important to mm-hmm. part of your identity I didn't want to be restricted by my clothes I didn't want to be kind of owned by my clothes I wanted it to be comfortable but bright and um, something that expresses you as you went as you enter your room unfortunately you know that's the first thing you see of a person it is an incredibly important part of my identity but um also of of um the business I guess now but yeah I think it's 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 incredibly important and it and um that naturally kind of spills into what what I design and what we do at Kitchery and we want Mm. to give our customers that sense of confidence and you know when someone comes up to you and go oh my god I love your dress that is such an amazing kind of boost to your day you know but spring into your into your step and make you feel unique and special and kind of make you make you feel ready to take on the world and um, if we have a small part in that on someone's day then I you know we would be incredibly proud and happy about that designing or kind of helping enable some the spring in someone's step is a great uh, design and business ethic 
speaking of kind of spring and, te- and steps or giving people a boost, I'm personally taking a lot of comfort and pleasure from the range of content that you're showing, sharing on Kitchy's Instagram account uh, during this oh, time. So thank you so much. Oh, I no, to be endlessly sending on your posts to friends. I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's fascinating how it could be the range from the background to a particular design. For instance, I love the story about one of your designers hand painting the print that's ended up informing um, yeah. kind of core of your spring collection. But then it could be a very cute fluffy bunny or it might be um, an inspiring interior um, and again there's a real sense of conversation how do you decide what to post and determine what tone to use particularly within this current climate yeah it's a tricky one particularly now and we've had a lot of conversations surrounding this and how we approach our customers and what would they want to see and obviously you know it's an incredibly tough time for everybody and we want to be mindful of that and you know we don't want to make light of the situation and um, it is an incredibly serious climate right now but I think as a fashion brand you know they don't come to us for serious conversation necessarily I think you know what we do really well is kind of give light and make make them feel better at the end of the day there's so many kind of grim news on on our screens and on on our radio all the time we basically approached it we normally approach it from what we want to see and I think Mm -hmm. again that goes back into conversation about how we treat our customers we have this kind of benchmark thinking if we think oh god can we post this or is this is this too weird or is this too much if we find it funny if we find it fun if we find it beautiful if we find it inspiring I think we have to trust our instinct that um, our customers will as well um, naturally we're quite we're a little bit more conservative than some of the other brands out there our tone of voice is very friendly and open and um, hopefully inclusive of um, of all ages and all shapes anyway and I think if we approach it from a, a point of kindness and point of trying to make people feel good um Mm -hmm. i don't think there is you know really anything that can go really wrong with that um obviously you do have to do some sense check but (laughs) ultimately i think you know we try to round out our world and what our customers world look like so the reason why we post interior posts is because you know we 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 love interiors as well as fashion and i think i strongly believe that our customers is not just about fashion yes she enjoys fashion and yes it it uh, forms an important part of her her life and her identity however we really believe and we know actually that our customers are incredibly creative and they are smart and they are strong and they have you know myriads of different interests that 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 won't be satisfied by just fashion so we want to make sure that we are you know giving giving her inspiration and showing her you know being part of Kitri Kitri's networking community what what that means so yeah I mean we do we do have a lot of animal um, memes as well that's because we love animals <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a light relief and you know we're not a very you know necessarily a serious kind of minimal brand so it, it makes sense for us to um, mix it up a little bit absolutely and I think it also but you know as a as a customer of Kitri rather than the person interviewing you I think it also really creates that sense that it is a sincere conversation with your customer rather than it always being directly associated with product so I'm always interested to see what you're doing whether it's a new release um or whether it's um another little bunny so yeah thank you very much and it's greatly enjoyed i feel like i could ask you a thousand more questions and i've so enjoyed our conversation but i need to let you go in a moment so i'm going to ask one more question if that's okay so i'm coming at this as a curator i run the fashion collections at lcf um if i were to if i was to collect one item of your work um to represent you in a museum or archive collection what would you want it to be and why 
I said work there, but I suppose it could also be your wardrobe. I'm intrigued again by your library of blazers, so whatever you would like it to be. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's a really kind of important question. I wouldn't know how to answer on the spot. I'll approach it from a different angle. I think it would be amazing to have something that represents our team's hard work and also a moment where we kind of feel like we had the closest connection to our customers. Like a a combination of that would be the most suitable um, item for the collection. Yeah, and that also just brings me back to the Gabriella, to be honest with you. If, If that is not the one, I think the other one would be our Lenora dress, which mm-hmm. was the originally designed in a pink um, picnic basket gingham check. And the reason for that is the general kind of process that we came to with the design itself. Um, besides sales figures or anything like that, I think there was a lot of input across all departments, whether it was the color, the size or the length or the neck shape. I think it could have been a very, very different dress. Like, you know, a lot of our other styles, we have a lot of um, input. But also I think it's just really joyful and feminine and versatile and something that you can kind of cherish and put a smile on your face when you do. And it's one of those styles that actually, you know, uh, had a great result in terms of sales as well and something that we kind of consider as a as a classic kitschy piece. But I love the idea that it is something that's kind of like fun and joyful and slight, you know, we, we joked at the time that it it was kind of milk made at a, at a picnic cross. I love that. I think the idea of, of doing something fun and and having a bright colour that, that brings smile to your face and I I think that could be quite a good representation of what we do yeah definitely I think that's a really lovely choice and again it it relates to your ethics and the mood of your brand but there's also that kind of backbone and structure of the business there um I also think as a curator I'm really interested in collecting a design in context whether that's with the full outfit or whether it's with the design process behind it so if I ever get to collect your work I'd love to do it alongside all the kind of outputs and all the labor that's gone into describing it right and um it and discussing it with your customers online oh thank you that was such a brilliant choice and such an interesting conversation um i really appreciate you taking part honey so thank you very much for your time and thank you all for listening thank you